0: DJ and PK, it's time to talk Utes now with Frank Dolce, our Utah insider and analyst for the Zone Sports Network. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get an iPhone 11 on us when you activate a new line of service with a flex lease and eligible trade-in now through December 5. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Frank, is it a good morning? Or are you still (laughs) still moaning and groaning because... Uh, that game Friday night sucked.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm not moaning and groaning. I mean, it's certainly disappointing. And I think the, the worst thing about it is how far you drop. I mean, you go from this college football playoff slash Rose Bowl scenario to the Alamo Bowl, which doesn't seem like – I mean, it's a great bowl game and everything, and I like the opponent, but – it just doesn't seem to fit in the same atmosphere as uh, as everything else that was possible. So, yeah, super dis- super disappointing, but it's still a good morning. Um, you know, Utah just picked a really bad time to play. You know, maybe their worst game of the year.
0: Yeah, how surprising was it? that things didn't work out in the trenches because that is something that Utah has been known for and certainly something that it's basically owned this season because even in the USC loss, you can't say really they got beat up front. Obviously, they got beat over the top in that particular loss.
1: Yeah, that being being beaten up in the trenches like that, I thought was surprising, Um, especially that... (laughs) Utah's defensive line has been so good and, and so dominant in lots of ways and their front seven for that matter has been so good. Um, to to get gas that way in the running game. That was that was surprising. And Oregon just attacked. I mean, they just attacked Utah. And they were the they were really the, the only team all year that was committed to the run game. Utah would get other teams out of the run game early and then and then they never went back to it, it felt like. And, and this time, you know, Oregon had some success, and then they just kept after it. You know, they were really committed to running the football, and obviously, that was a the thing. There, were, there were, th- those were the, there were three things in that game I thought that were really telling. One is that that running that rushing yardage for Oregon, the inability to stop the run, that was that was really difficult. And then the then the nine there were nine tackles for loss by Oregon in that game. That's that's another thing that tells you they were disruptive at the line of scrimmage and in the, back, in the offensive backfield and forcing Tyler Huntley to, to run around more than we, we'd like to see him run around and not allowing Zach Moss to really get mo- momentum going forward. And then of course the two, two turnovers are critical in that game. Um, outside of that, if you look across the other numbers, outside of the rushing yardage, tackles for loss, Turnovers. Everything else looks looks pretty similar. Time of possession is the same. Passing yardage is the same. Um, but but th- those three things I thought were really telling because it t- it's it's in- indicative of losing the battle at the line of scrimmage that I I just didn't think Utah would do in this game.
0: You know, the only thing I would add to that is the O for 4 on fourth down, and maybe not the last one because the game was pretty much decided then anyway, but certainly the other three, I thought those were all big swings. Field position swings, emotionally they were swings. If they convert them, do the Utes go on and score, and does that change the game early on? But th- those were all big plays, and they all went the Ducks' way.
1: Yeah, I thought I was under the impression. Like, going into that, I think I talked to you guys about it, that the only way i thought utah would lose a game is if is if utah lost the game like they made a bunch of mistakes and and penalties and turnovers and i but but surprisingly i don't think that was necessarily the case i mean utah didn't give themselves a great chance but, but i also think that saying that utah lost the game doesn't give enough credit to the way Morgan played the game because they they played really well and they attacked it was a great game plan and their execution was really good and it just you know like, like i keep saying it just didn't feel like it was utah's day um so it's, it's, it's disappointing um made some critical mistakes in the game but at the end of the day i think you could probably look at that and say well you know we we got outplayed and sometimes that happens
0: was it a situation of this was a one-game deal, or did you see some maybe that the Utes got exposed?
1: I think Utah would be more competitive in a in a series of games against Oregon. Um, to say that Utah got exposed would would be to say that you so other teams couldn't figure out they couldn't you know they couldn't solve the puzzle of Utah's defensive line and the ability to run the football on the offensive side. So, so I just don't think that's the case. I think that in, in another scenario, Utah would, you know, they would figure that out at the line of scrimmage. Or, or is Oregon's offensive line that re- really that good? I don't think it's the case because we watched other teams manage Oregon, and, and those same teams Utah beat. So I, I would guess in the series of games, that utah would be much more competitive and maybe it's a fifty fifty with with Oregon um, in in a series but but i just thought it was an anomaly the way that utah played at the line of scrimmage uh... against against the ducks on friday night on the other side you know i i I've been, i think that utah's offensive line has been above average this year but it's not like an offensive line that you think well these guys dominate every game and so you know, kind of be, uh, more of a stalemate, Utah's offensive line against Oregon's defensive line. I think that's, that's reasonable for the way they've performed throughout the year. And Oregon re- has been really good on the defensive side. I mean, they're number two in the conference in, in total defense, so that's something. But, but the surprising one, and I, the one I think would, would be managed differently, uh, is at the defensive line, uh, because Utah just didn't have an answer for what Oregon was doing.
0: Frank Dolce joined us here on 975 and 1280 the zone. You know the thing I think to kind of build off PK's point here is that the Utes are 11 and0 against the teams that are seven and five or worse. They are 0 and two against the teams who are eight and four or better. To beat the best teams, you know, they've gone a long way with, hey, we'll take two- and three-star guys and uh, you overlook stuff about them and we'll build them up. And they've gone a long way in won games like that. But I wonder how many times you can beat other elite you know top 5, 10, or 15 teams, whatever it is, without your fair share of those four-star guys that the other guys probably have too. Because their four-star guys have been developed and have been coached up and are highly motivated in some games you know one or two of those things are missing and the youths you know there's a reason Kyle keeps winning nine games every year but if you're really going to get to the level you want do you need a a few more of the best of the best well coached and motivated and all that stuff
1: well that stat certainly doesn't doesn't bode well for Utah in terms of the win loss versus teams with with more wins so i that's it's really interesting, and and the mark of a of a really good team is the ability to win those to win those games. So you could look at Utah's schedule and say, you know, that well they feasted on teams that weren't very good, but but you know, Oregon lost to to one of those teams, um, Washington lost to a couple of those teams. So I I, I don't know. I still think this is a this is a really, really good Utah football team, and I think they'd be really competitive in matchups with, you know, a lot of the, the top ten, top fifteen, top twenty-five teams. Um, but I do. I also think, you know, PK, we were talking about a week ago. Is this one of the, you know, it, it's two thousand four, two thousand eight? Does this team measure up? I don't know. I, I don't know if they do anymore. I'd, I'd have to go back and study that, uh, just because of that kind of the, the record against winning teams um and utah's inability to get over those get over the top of those teams so it's a good point dj about about talent and depth of talent uh and i think utah's depth of talent is really good but maybe there's a point to be made i mean the US seasons the organs of the world still get the best talent in the pac-12 and maybe that depth of talent in a game like that is the thing that makes a difference
0: well, the good news, Frank, is that Texas is seven and five, and if there's one thing Utah has shown this season, if you're seven and five, they can beat you.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. By the way, I I'm I'm happy about that matchup. I don't I don't know if it's just a name or, or what, but Texas Texas feels like a pretty good bowl game. Um, and by the way, that I, I you know I, I kind of disparaged the Alamo Bowl earlier. I didn't mean I don't I don't mean to do that. It was just the Alamo Bowl is a great bowl game. But relative to where Utah thought they were headed and where we thought Utah was headed, it feels like an enormous step. And so, uh, but, I, but I think that's a great matchup. And I love the history of Texas. I love where that program is headed. I think Texas is going to be really good um, uh, as the years roll on. Uh, dynamic quarterback, and they're pretty good at the line of scrimmage, but very, very beatable team. And And I think it's a great matchup uh, for for Utah at the end of December. So we'll, we'll get excited about that one, and and I think that's a great matchup.
0: Frank, we appreciate it. Thanks for a few minutes, and we will uh, talk to you again as the bowl game gets closer.
1: Absolutely. It's great to talk to you guys. Thanks for having me on.
0: Frank Dolce, join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.